Today on Watching Your Wealth, ever dream of owning a sports team? Here's what you need to know. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. Welcome to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. I'm Veronica Dagger. Michael Bright is partner in charge at the sports and entertainment practice at accounting, tax, and consulting firm Eisner Amper. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Veronica. Michael, I always thought it would be neat to own an illustrious team like the New York Jets (laughs) or some other sports team. And I don't think I'm alone in that. So I'm just wondering, why is this such a a dream asset for folks? I guess it's been a a cumulative amount of years as you grow up as a sports fan, whether you're five, six, seven years old and you become a fanatical sports fan, which a lot of people do, both men and women alike, you know, they come – enamored with their sports team, and uh, one of the things they want to do is they live and die with their sports franchise. They feel it's multi-generational, so to the extent uh, that you accumulate wealth and that you could buy and purchase a sports team, you'll be able to obviously pass it down to your heirs. So there's a lot of um, interest in that um, for the multi-generational aspect of it, for bringing the family together, and basically because you're such a fan of the team, you know, you want to be involved with the team. Indeed. There's a lot of emotional aspect to it, and I think that's what you're getting at. I think you feel really attached if you grew up watching a team win or lose, depending on who you watch. Um, So how do we find out what teams are for sale? That's a great question. Um, Typically, there are a lot of business brokers um, for, for many businesses, but there are a lot of sports advisory business brokers. A lot of them are based in New York City. Um, They're very, very well known. You could almost do a Google search and find out. Um, And they would tell you the teams for sale. Um, The activity that we've seen as a firm lately have been a lot of soccer teams in Europe and the Premier League. There have been a lot of minor league teams for sale. Now, right now, because if you look at the four major sports, you have less than 125 franchises. A lot lot of people want to attach themselves to a sports franchise. So what do they do? Well, they go to one of the minor leagues and just try to get a taste of that as well. That's a good way to test it out, I would imagine. How much money do you need to buy into one of these teams? I guess it depends on the sport. And also, you know, is it, does it depend? Um, so how much money do you need? And then can you buy, you know, just like, a fr- you know, I know with Jets, sometimes you can buy a fractional share. Can you do the same thing with sports teams? Like, how does it work? Well, it depends. Um, you know, uh, the Mets recently, and this was public knowledge a few years ago, that Fred Wilpon sold, as you said, fractional interests of the sports team, you know, really as a financing. So uh, it really depends on the ownership group. Um, when you go to the Memphis Grizzlies, when Robert Perra bought the Grizzlies, he also sold fractional interests in the Grizzlies to people like uh, Justin Timberlake and Peyton Manning, you know, get kind of the um, entertainment aspect and those luminaries involved in the sport. So it really, really depends on who is the primary owner. If they want to sell, they either call it limited partnership interest or slices to others. Um, Obviously now when you look at the growth in sports franchises and these are the four major sports and now let's include soccer as a fifth major sport because it's with uh, you know coming to 24 teams it really is becoming the fifth major sport in the United States. The expansion franchise fee for soccer now is touted at 150 million dollars and no one would have ever predicted that 15 years ago. You go to a, a sport like the NBA, and you know you're looking at valuations clearly north of 500 million. You're looking at football uh, valuations. You know, look, the Bills were the most recent one at a billion four. Baseball, you're looking at billions of dollars, and hockey's probably less than basketball, but still 
in the hundreds of millions of dollars for these sports franchises. So those are worth a lot, those franchises. So if I want to be like a fractional owner, how much money do I need to have? You know, say, you know, for a soccer team right now, I know the ML, you know, ML, Major League Soccer, I'll get that right, is really trying to build up. So if I wanted a stake on one of those teams, would I need a million dollars or can you give us a, a range at least? I would say it would be a million or more, and to the extent you wanted ownership in one of the major league soccer teams, you would either speak to either one of the business brokers that may know one of the owners that's looking to sell a piece of the company. You could actually call the owners directly say, look, I'm a huge fan. I have some money in the bank, and I want to participate. I have ideas and see where that goes. It could also go that way as well. You never know of an owner who is looking to add expertise um, in you know the operation of the team, but also to add financing. But I would say a million would probably be the low end. Okay, so let's talk about some of the risks and rewards of investing. Tell us more about the risks, um, or, you know, things you need to consider when you are investing. You said, you know, you want to think about you're not just investing um, in the actual team, you're investing in the entire league. So, and that could be a risk or a reward. So tell us about that. So that's exactly right. So when you invest in the NBA, for instance, you're, you're going to be, if you own a team, you're a 130th investor in the NBA. So you also get the benefits of what the NBA is doing, whether it be in China, in India, or Malaysia, and you're an equity investor in that, and you participate in those rewards. As it relates to the risks, as it relates to the NBA and all the other leagues, what gets investors skittish is when they have labor unrest. And luckily right now, in most of the major sports, their labor agreements are almost at accord or almost finalized. You know, baseball was just announced, and the NBA is pretty much there. So that's what gets investors um, feeling very, very good. The lack of uncertainty, or if there is uncertainty or any cloud, that's when you have a risk. If you could have a lockout and your team doesn't play and you don't get the revenues and they aren't guaranteed, well, that's a lot of money to lose. So that is probably one of the biggest risks is labor unrest. The second biggest risk is either paying too much money for talent and not oh, delivering yeah. as it relates to your win-loss percentage or on the floor and making sure you have a good product on the floor. So I would say those are the two biggest risks in owning a sports team. And that risk of um, you know overpaying players, I, I would especially think in, in, um, in industries or in sports where there's not uh, salary caps, I would think that would be a, a risk. So uh, what, you know, break it down for us. Why does that hurt the end investor if you know, you're overpaying for uh, a player? Uh, so at the end of the day, um, you know, the salary cap is pretty much stated in the NBA, the NHL, the NFL – that almost, and let's call it, just take on average 50% of your revenues go to player compensation. In baseball, there is no salary cap. So if you overpay for players, and let's say you go way above that 50%, call it that semi-cap, then all of a sudden you're not going to have the revenues if your team is not doing well to support your guaranteed comp, and you'll be very, very much in the red. So if you overpay for the players and then you just don't put the product on the floor, you lose sponsorship revenue, you lose ticket revenue, people aren't going to come to the games, and you're going to lose advertising revenue. Makes so sense. it has kind of a, a trickling effect on your revenue streams if that happens. I see. You said another tip is to do as much research in the market as you can. Tell us about that. So the, uh, you've got to really look at trends, in, the, in my view. I mean, when you look at what soccer has become, you know, just in 10 years, there was a $30 million franchise fee. And as I just said earlier, you have a $150 million franchise fee. To the extent maybe you see a new sport on the rise, whether it be lacrosse or whether it be there rumors of a lot of rugby leagues starting up, 
it, it, looking at the trends of where these sports and where these associations are going to go, you know, that's where the, what a lot of people are focusing in now. Uh, a couple of years ago, people were focusing in on the National Hockey League because they felt a lot of those valuations were lower, and we've seen them rise through the years. And you also want to make sure, you know, can this team or this league do well in good and bad economies, right? Because things don't always go up. So are they going to be able to fill the seats when the economy is not doing so hot? Is there going to be a devoted fan base um, regardless of the performance of the team, I would imagine? That's absolutely right, Veronica, because when you go back 30, 40 years, the biggest sports in the New York market were probably track and field and boxing. Amazing. And when you look at that now, they're gone. Right, I was going to say. There are some people might say that the National Football League could have an issue with this concussion protocol, but I think they've done a very, very good job of handling it. But there are others who might say, well, the ratings were down during this past year. That had a lot to do with, obviously, the Trump-Clinton election. Um, but some people might say, is the NFL in a state of flux right now simply because of what's going on there and the issues they're handling? In my view, I don't think the NFL has any issue at all, but there are a lot of naysayers out there. Is the NFL going to sustain their growth? And wondering if they've got competition from places like they didn't have before, like the MMA. Anyway, um, I'm wondering, you know, when you think about um, this as an investment, is this something, if you, you put your money towards a sports team, should you think of this as this isn't a liquid investment? In other words, this money is going to be tied up for quite some time because it might be tough to buy and sell your share? I would think it is a long-term investment. You know, when you look at, let's say, the Cleveland Browns purchase a few years ago, and Randy Lerner had that asset for a while, he almost doubled his money, um, sold it for around $500 million or so. So we have seen over time that if you hold on to it, call it 5, 10, 15 years, you're going to have a significantly appreciating asset. You know, I'm not even talking about the profit and loss through the years, but as it relates to the asset base, clearly will go up. You clearly have capital gain on it. And the other advantage of it for buying a sports team now that a lot of the high net worth individuals like, there are certain tax advantages where you can basically amortize the value of the team over 15 years and take a tax deduction. So when Steve Ballmer bought the Los Angeles Clippers for $2 billion, his tax return probably shows anywhere from 120 to $150 million tax deduction for the value of the team. It's got to be nice. got to be nice. Um, this is so much fun, Michael. Would you stick around and take our fun financial quiz? I certainly will. Great. Thanks. You stick around, too. High inflation has impacted many of us. But what happens when prices go up 55, 67, or even 276%? It makes living more costly. It eats into your paycheck. At the end of the day, the salary itself, it's not enough. And money quickly loses value. You can't see if you can't do anything. Check out our complete series on extreme world inflation from A to Z, from What's News, plus other exclusive content on WSJ Special Access, only for WSJ subscribers. Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Now it's time for Eisner Amper's Michael Bright to take our fun financial quiz. You ready, Michael? I am. All right, Michael, what's the best financial advice you ever received? Uh, If it's too good to be true, it is. Indeed. Worst financial advice you ever heard? 
This natural gas fund is a sure thing. <laughs> no such thing. Fill in the blank. Money can buy? A lot of things. True. Money can't buy? Everything. Yeah. And if you want a million dollars after tax, what would you do with it? I would give it to my broker to invest. I love it. So much fun. Thanks so much for joining us, Michael. Thank you. And this has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of the Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.